What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back to Real Reality Realness with Cherie Laveau, the podcast where I, Cherie Laveau, dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and ask all the questions about what they don't want out. Today, we're going to be diving into the real reality of Bravo and Blaze. That's right. Jenny Blaze from the epically successful Bravo and Blaze podcast is here to talk all things housewives, Bravo, She by Sheree, cannabis, being an entrepreneur, and being a super mom. Lock in while I clock in, because when I say we're about to get into it, oh, me and my old friend are about to get into it. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Sweet. Okay. Excited to get you on the line. I have been wanting to talk to you. There have been so many things going on. And I have needed your opinions. You know, I'm in this new venture that we call podcasting. And you have had this meteoric rise, and I needed to get an expert on the phone to, to talk about the things of the thing. <laughs> Shoot, go for it. Ah, reunited, <laughs> and it feels so good, honey. Yes. How you been? How's the family? Everyone's good. Um, my stepdaughter went to college just recently, like a month ago. Congrats. That's big. But yeah, everyone's doing great. How are you? I am good. My daughter's eight. She's in the second grade. Wow. She's raising hell. You know, <laughs> casual. <What> do do? <laughs> as they do, as one does. But no, like I really just. Uh, <laughs> let's just get to it. Now that I know that that the family's good. Sure. Absolutely. When did you fall in love with reality TV? Huh, interesting. You know, I can't figure out the very first moment, but I do know that my father was the first influence, even though, ironically, he's the one who makes fun of my love for reality TV the most. And I'll explain. Yeah, and still, to this day, my dad is, um, he is a blue-collar boomer. He's um, from upstate New York, born and raised, and, you know, he's still around here. But he is a man of routine. And I remember, you know, he'd wake up 4 o'clock every morning on the dot and be home at, you know, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock every day on the dot. And then he would turn on the TV. And the first show, I think, was People's Court. Which I don't know if one would say that's a reality. It it is a reality show, right? It's unscripted. It counts. Yeah. And that was totally count. They just kind of like that kind of, you know, just spiraled from there. We got Judge Judy. We got Joe Brown or Judge Brown. Who else do we have? I mean, there's tons of of those divorce cords, cords, yeah, paternity cords. Yes, exactly. And my father still watches them to this day. And so I just, I mean, 
I don't know. I think obviously Bravo attracted me from an early, like early on, because I think they were originally before Housewives, they did, you know, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, Project Runway, Flipping Out. I loved all those shows. I think Kathy ah. Griffin was on and I love stand up. So I'm like, yes. I need to see behind the scenes, you know? So right. I've always been watching Bravo since even before Housewives. And I've watched the evolution. It's insane. Same. Like, like before Housewives, I was a flipping out stan. I was a Rachel Zoe project mm. fan. I was a Kathy Griffin, my, my life on the mm-hmm. D. Mm-hmm. Fanatic. Yes. I still, like, I have, like, almost all of her stand-up specials downloaded like i i like kathy griffin used to run bravo back in the day good i feel sad it's sad that she's not you know active as much i know i think she had like she got sick for a little while i wasn't i haven't been following her but i'm still a fan i like her She was sick for a while. She's doing good now. She's doing a look. She's returning to acting a little, a little bit. She had a recurring role in a, in a um, TV show recently. So she's around. She's oh. still doing stand up and stuff. So good. Shout out to Kathy. I'm glad you're yeah. doing good. Go, Kathy. <laughs> what, right. What was the show that made you realize that you had to make content about Bravo? Um, that's a good question. I think it was Salt Lake City. Ooh. Or maybe, icon. Maybe Instant was, icon. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was Salt Lake City. I think maybe I was already... No, it was Salt Lake City because that revived my love for Housewives. Like I said, mm-hmm. I've been watching since the beginning. And to be honest, it's been kind of stale, you know, the last few years leading up to wrong. the pandemic. <laughs> and, you know, the pandemic shown a a huge light on that and it's kind of like strange how salt lake came out right before the pandemic so it was also like the last new show pre-pandemic i think yeah their first season was pre-pandemic i believe yeah so it was it was refreshing because we were all in lockdown when it started airing so it was refreshing Mm -hmm. to see people like actually hanging out but all and being people, normal people. Yeah, right? And then also um, Salt Lake, the reason why I love it so much, I have a love-hate relationship with it right now, but <laughs> I came out the gate as a fan because I love that there's a spotlight and an extra layer added on to this Housewives franchise in terms of the religion aspect. You know, yeah. you have Mormonism, you have, I think, isn't Meredith Jewish? Is Meredith Jewish? I think so. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I would totally believe that if somebody said that to me. And then Mary Cosby, you know, is a pastor of a, wait, what kind of church does she have? It's not Mormon. I believe it was Pentecostal. Yeah, so that, I actually, Mary Cosby was my, I was, before she even, we even saw episode one, I was like, this lady, I'm rooting for her. Female pastor in a Mormon dominated, you know, environment. Hell yeah, I'm gonna root for her, you know? But then she kinda let me down. So And then this show aired. Yeah, and then <laughs> the show aired and I was like And we realized she was black Ramona. <laughs> I have to say that like I I have a love it love hate relationship with 
Mary Cosby because she scared me so bad like the first time I Googled her. And that's why like this is where things get dark with Bravo because I'm like, how did Bravo not catch this? And then it was like a slap in the face like, wait, (laughs) they knew all along. And my naive self is like thinking, oh, everyone's good and everyone (laughs) has a soul. Right. um, (laughs) They have integrity at Bravo. Yeah, like, I just assumed that. And then, you know, once we got Jenny Wen and everything, that was when really I felt hurt. Like, I felt, as as a viewer, I felt actually hurt by Bravo. Wow. That was actually going to be one of my questions. When was the first time that you felt, like, uncomfortable watching a Bravo show? Was well, it that season? So that's that's not the first time I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable okay. for years. <laughs> with oh gosh. Lots of things. And if you go back, like you can see how things have evolved. Just not just like with the show and the cast, but like even our culture. Like there's things that people used to say back in the day that would no longer fly today. So one million percent. Yeah. So I mean, I've been uncomfortable many, many times. But before the before Salt Lake City, do you remember with Below Deck they had one season where they they like edited out one character? I think his name was like Pete Peter or something. I don't remember, but he they cut him out because he did something inappropriate off camera, I believe, or I don't maybe it was on camera. I don't even really know. But they went back after they already edited the whole season and then re-edited to get him out of all the scenes. But then that same season, they made an Asian joke. Like it was two charter wow. guests. One guest was white. The other guy was Asian. And he goes, they're like, oh, let's go swimming. Or he goes, I'm going to, the white guy said, I'm going to go swimming. And then the Asian guy said, oh, I'm going to go swimming too. And he goes, you can't go swimming. You know, sharks don't like, or what do you say? Sharks don't like sushi or something like that. And I was whoa. like, whoa, number one, sharks love sushi. That's first of all. Bullshit. Number two, first of all. Bravo. How can Bravo go like go back and edit things on purpose and still keep something like that in? That's when I was like first not uncomfortable. That's not the first moment I was uncomfortable. That was the first time I was angry or upset Mm, okay that makes sense how do you as a woman of color feel making content within this specific fandom Hmm. you know to be honest this is like the first time where I don't feel like being a, a woman of color is that much of a of an issue Um, And I'll tell, and I'm, it still is, it's always going to be an issue, but um, I'm just comparing to my upbringing, where I came from. I came from the corporate world where I was, well, even before the corporate world, my college that I went to actually before the, (laughs) the school I grew up in, it was like predominantly white. I was one of only a few Asians and I'm half Asian, but even though I'm half, they used to call me Korea as a nickname like growing up and they'd make Asian jokes all the time. So many microaggressions. Um, But then in college, I went to an engineering school where it was like mostly men. And um, I remember them miss, you know, like I've just always been mistreated for being a woman. I remember one time 
particularly this kid. I went into class, sat down. It's like a first day of class. I, the kid sitting next to me is there. I don't know him. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Jen. What's up? How did you do the homework? It was kind of hard, right? And he just looked at me like dead ass, did not say a word, and just goes, are you at the right school? Oh, my God. I'm like, whoa, not even the right class. He said right school. Whoa. <laughs> like, wow. So then, you know, obviously I dealt with stuff like that. But then um, when I went into the corporate world, not only was I the one of few women um, and few, you know, persons of color, um, but also I was sexually harassed and assaulted many, many times. So being in the Bravo community, I feel it. And if you go back to my podcast, like I've started to interview some straight guys who are Bravo Mm -hmm. fans. And because it's blown my mind, I had this assumption that the Bravo world was mostly like everyone except straight. Straight men. (laughs) So I felt really comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I felt really comfortable in this, in this community because of that. And I also felt like I could be myself. We all speak the same language, you know, like we get the jokes. And so when I would come across a straight man, I was, I noticed like I was triggered, very triggered. It was like alarming to me that there even was a straight man in this community. Watching Bravo. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, well, now I got to ask them about it, you know? So I've invited right. them on my shows and like, you know, they, it seems like they're it isn't so much that straight men aren't watching or listening. They just are in the closet about it, which is so funny to me. And like ironic because it's like the opposite of the rest of the world. And I'm kind of living for it. Yeah. Cause, cause usually when you hear somebody say they're a housewives fan, it's like somebody saying they're a football fan. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're not just a fan, but like you're fanatic about it. Yes. Like we Like it's like people who are housewives fans can't just be housewives fans. Like they're housewives fans. <laughs> like but like that's why I always say like I don't say housewives. I say the HCU. Because to me, Housewives is so big, it is a full blown housewives cinematic universe. Like wow. there is a like you. I like that. Think but like think about it how many franchises there are how many housewives there are how many housewives have there have been how many iconic moments have come through housewives how many housewives have gone through and filled and, and, and have infiltrated different reality shows like the apprentice like dancing with the stars like how like how many times have we seen housewives just pop up in random ass places like Cynthia hosting Daily Pop, NeNe Leaks and Glee. Like, Housewives is like its own Marvel or DC. Yes. It is so intense. It is that intense. Mm -hmm. It is that intense. And and you don't, but then again, when, but, but, but when you think about it in that concept, you think like, that's not for straight men though. Like, y'all have football. Y'all stay over there. Yeah. Like, Stay in y'all lane over there. (laughs) Y'all don't know nothing about this over here. And I was like, and that's kind of obviously. So actually, before I even started interviewing straight guys on my show, I have met with, I've talked to 
gay men who have been sexually assaulted by men and straight men trigger them. And, and I've talked to other females who same situation, like we feel safe here because we've been sexually assaulted in the past and like straight men trigger us. And so I haven't like told any of them that yet, um, yeah. you know, one-on-one, but I just wanted to at least like talk to them and see like, where are they even coming from? And so far right. it is coming from a genuine place. Like they're not predatory, at least right. from what I see so far. And I'm not like, I haven't fully vetted them out, but you know, from what I see, like they actually are watching with the same kind of critical thinking that we are, you know, like analyzing the quote unquote, like the plays, you know, <laughs> and they compare it to sports too. Like even the, the Salt Lake City season three trailer with that new girl coming in and saying to Jen Shaw, like, you better not be talking to me like that if you want some money on your books. Like that, that is so banji. That oh, was, I have chills just reliving that moment because that, and- Oh my god, it was like holy shit. I don't care what team you're on. I love the sport at that moment. I was like, no way did a rookie just come on and literally like or meta not literally, metaphorically slam dunk on LeBron James. Like that's literally amazing. literally dunking on LeBron like, in the first first in the first, first round. Like Yeah, like first what? the first quarter like yeah, this is how much I know about sports. Or but period. This, I don't know what it is. It's quarter period basketball. I don't remember. On the first lane of the touchdown <laughs> of the game. Yeah, dead. Yeah. On the first exactly. pass. <laughs> this is a shame. I can't, but you know, one thing I do want to say before we before we move on from that is whenever you do start recording again, I would love when when you have me back on your show to come on and talk about what you were saying about being assaulted from a different perspective Mm -hmm. because I've been through a couple of different situations pre-transition right Mm -hmm. so I went through that same kind of triggering that you go through with straight men Mm -hmm. with gay men Mm. and now even after transition I still feel that level of triggering from gay men because I still get fetishized from gay men but now it but now I have an even wider awareness of straight men because of the way that straight men view trans women Mm. do you get what I mean well I don't know that experience that's why I love to hear about it because like I only know my experience which is not great and I can only imagine that yours must not be pleasant as well you know it's it's a very interesting thing because i come from a place of of intersectionality where it's like i'm triggered from all over the place because not only am i triggered because i'm black i'm triggered because i'm queer i'm triggered because i'm trans i'm triggered because i identify as you know a third gender identity you know, so there are triggers that come from straight men, gay men, black men, white men, cis women, mm-hmm. um, cis black women, mm-hmm. um, gay men. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain levels of misogyny, transphobia, racism that 
intervene that that intertwine itself within so many sectors of a perspective fan base let's let's just say within the within the hcu for example Mm -hmm. there's just so many different areas where i could interact with somebody from the fan base and it end up being triggering because of however they may perceive me you get what i mean so it could be you know them calling me the n-word them misgendering me them you know just telling me to kill myself because i don't like your favorite housewife like it no that's so gross it's like it goes deep bro but like it's it's just it's really weird but even before I started covering content, like that whole signaling of like how gay men view me pre and post transition, it's the the part that's most interesting to me is that it's intensified. And it's weird because you would think that, hey, I'm a trans woman, I identify as this, gay men aren't attracted to women, whatever. But then I realized that not only do I get fetishized by straight men, I get I get a level of that from gay men as well. Wow, it's really interesting. It's really I mean, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting because I get that fetish thing. Like I get fetishized because I'm Asian sometimes. Yeah. And, I, and that, I had a thought about that too. That creeps me out. I've had men come up to me and like whisper in my ear. And they'd say, I love Asians. Ugh. I'm like, oh, God, get away from me, please. Like, that is just the creepiest thing ever. Do you think that there's a connection to the to the, to the the fetishizing of Asian women that is... Do you think there's a connection between that and the amount of men in America that love anime? Ooh, I don't know. Because <laughs> when you were talking about that earlier... I, I thought about that, and I was like, I wonder. Well, there is like anime porn. I think I don't like. Was, I don't know. I don't really like. Because <laughs> when you were talking about how in school you got picked on because you were, you know, got called Korean and Miss yeah. A, and you know, uh, ah. Uh, all of those things I I was thinking maybe it was because those boys were watching anime and they were fetishizing Asian women at a young age and didn't even know what they were doing and then when you talked about it by being but then when you talk about it being triggered by grown men as an Asian woman it's like well there's even there's an even greater audience for anime in grown men yeah that's weird do you get what I mean? Yeah, like anime, they usually do like, ew. You know what's even creepier is that they make exaggerations they make it of like Asian women. That and it's like usually like schoolgirl. Like they're supposed to be like young. One hundred percent. Like they're Ooh. always like they're always dressed in skimpy clothing or like suggestive clothing. They're yeah. always hypersexually drawn with the huge breast and the coke bottle aesthetic with the wide hips and the big butt like it's always yeah. all of that and it's it's really interesting like I never thought about that until you started explaining it and I was like maybe there's a connection to that I'm sure somebody else knows more about that than I do <laughs> I would 
Listen, I've been trying to get a clinical psychologist on my my um show because there's somebody on Twitter who dissects Bravo behavior and they're a clinical psychologist. I've been trying to get them on the pod for a while, but I haven't been able to to keep up with them. But I was like, that's going to be a hell of a conversation. Yeah, who is it? I can't remember the name. Yes, yeah, so I don't want to say the wrong person. But <laughs> But I'm going to find that person. Yeah, I want to know who this person is. Yeah, because I was like, what? I have to get you on my show. Yeah. But let's lighten the mood for a second. Because we, because, you know, you and I, we get deep real quick. I know. (laughs) And mind you, that is the whole aesthetic of this podcast. is you know, diving deeper into reality TV than anybody watching feels is necessary. But I don't want to trigger anybody early in the morning. Okay. (laughs) What's your what's your favorite Housewives franchise and why? Well, I think it is Salt Lake City. Like I mentioned, it like kind of revived my love for Housewives because of the religion part of it. I you know, it adds in a whole other layer of complexity and additional dynamics between the cast, which I love. Um, but it also, like I said, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because of the whole Jenny one thing. Um, and the fact that we have Jen Shaw on there who's committed fraud and like, she's pled guilty. Like, I really want us to get away from having questionable and morally unsaver people as cast members. I want people to be inspired. I want these you know, the cast members to be aspirational. I want to be motivated. I want to be like, yes, that's the kind of person that I would like to be. Not like, you know, ew, that person is stealing money from, you know, whoever. So it's just, I'm Don't scared. you remember when Housewives were aspirational? Yeah, that's how Don't it was Don't you remember when you be. wanted to be these ladies? Yeah, it was supposed to be like <sighs> that. And like, I get it. We're No one's perfect and like, we, that's something that we all need to accept is like, we do make mistakes. And if you put yourself on TV, you're going to see some bad behavior. However, right. we want to see the growth and see like, okay, I did this. I see myself, I'm taking accountability and I'm trying to grow and be a better person. Instead, we like, it's almost like the bad behavior is rewarded. Like Erica Jane, for example. I, Their like, flaws all of a sudden become their character arc yes. now it becomes their aesthetic yeah and I don't like that it's like it's okay to not be perfect because no one is but it's not okay to be like a like actually a like criminal like a real villain right <laughs> yeah, like, like an actual villain. criminal yeah an actual criminal like that's not okay and it bothers me that like I, I am torn because while I love watching Bravo, I also am worried, like, am I am I part of the problem because I'm watching and there, like, is me watching supporting this bad behavior? You know what I mean? That is part of the reason why I didn't completely surround my podcast around just specifically one network, one yeah. show, yeah. the HCU, yeah. because I didn't ever want to, because, <laughs> because it just feels like all of reality TV is getting more and more toxic. But then at the time that I started this, it was like the Bravo fandom itself is like 
at peak toxicity right now. Yeah. And listen, we were talking about mentoring and like all of the things that like we were manifested manifesting and like all, all of those yeah. things before you know you um called me and I I am like, like I think I really am like I joke about it and say that you know I'm you know housewives human resources and you know all of that type of stuff but I think I legitimately am subconsciously manifesting like the job at Bravo where I where I clean all this shit up yeah, I was thinking about that too. I would like to see Bravo take on an initiative where they invest in a long-term plan, not a like one-time BLM campaign that goes away. Like not that, because that was not it, but something right. long-term, like a three to five year plan to really clean things up and set them up for success for the long-term. Like you can, this is not sustainable. This is getting out of control. The the Beverly Hills is essentially interactive, but it's a delayed interaction with the, right. with the fandom because we have we're waiting for them to put out the show. Meanwhile, they're still interacting with people online. So it's like, at what point, Bravo, are you going to try to continue to keep up with this this mess, or are you going to pivot? And maybe we talked about this. The, we talked about this the last time. That I came on your show, I was like, there has to be some sort of Something. coordinator of inclusion mm -hmm. and, and like social awareness. Like mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of person, or as Lonnie Love from The Real would 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 call it, there's got to be a Jamal in the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's got to be somebody and say, wait a minute. Now I, I get that most of y'all probably wouldn't notice, but black people would not think that this is cool. There's gotta be a, a somebody in the room that's like, wait a minute, um, the Asian viewers are gonna eat this alive yeah. and not in a good way. Right. Like there's gotta be enough people in the room who represent the different diversity groups of the network. Like, oh my speaking- gosh. Oh, sorry, what? Can I tell you something real quick? This reminds of me course. of something I watched over the weekend on Netflix. It's called This Changes Everything. And back mm. in the 1930s, men like went on strike or I forgot what it, who it was exactly. It was like a union of actors or a union of directors in Hollywood. They banned women from being directors. What? And so everything in media since the 1930s which is where we all get our information from right has right. all been from the eyes of a man and not just a man but mostly predominantly white men that is well i mean well i mean look at who our declaration of independence and our constitution was written by well yeah exactly but i'm i mean this is not long ago where even the numbers still it's still impacting everything today like nothing has changed really that's and, right and Gina and people, Davis she even started a research foundation that showed the actual numbers there's only one female director who's won an academy award ever that's a problem the, um James Cameron's sister I don't know I forgot who it was <laughs> but um but yeah, this is a problem. It's like, 
that bothers me a lot having four daughters and being a female myself it's like i almost feel a, an obligation or a sense of responsibility to do something because we're in media you and right. i right so what's to stop us from being just like hollywood the only thing reason Hollywood existed was because of the price of technology and no not a lot of people could afford a huge big set and so everyone just would gather there but that's not the case anymore because it's 2022 and everyone's got smartphones in their hands with exactly a camera and they can do everything that all these networks can do the only thing that we don't have is the history of privilege and all the money correct So I'm hoping that in the next, you know, we'll see we'll see a change hopefully cuz that the title of that that documentary This Changes Everything, it did not change anything. <laughs> right. It came out like 2 years ago. That that is a shame. Yeah. To be perfectly to be honest. Like and you know, that makes me wonder how is your perspective on Bravo and reality TV and this face changed going from a viewer to a media outlet um well i see for one the biggest thing that stands out to me is the um i don't know how to put this without having with i'm trying to think of how to politically or how to say this in the pc way <laughs> mhm but That's never I, been my focus on this podcast. Please. I I don't feel much love, I'll just say that as a fan from the people who I'm helping. If that makes any sense. Like I don't have to be doing any content creation or media about these shows, but I do because I want to and I enjoy it. But you would think that if somebody is trying to help your brand that you would be open and warm to them? I don't know. That's just weird. I completely I completely get that because you know, I experienced that and that was actually my next question, how has the Bravo community embraced you versus the the fandom since you started to interview people from Bravo shows? Oh. But before we get to that, I I I I was thinking that like I've kind of felt that but from another perspective whereas when i started covering you know the inadequacies and the inequalities that people of color people of you know third identities and like all of that stuff received from the fandom within you know the shows or or you know within pop culture it seems like i started getting a lot of backlash from the communities that i subscribe to oh really and it was like wait yes like it was really weird how and you know this really has nothing to do with reality tv but this is when i noticed when the shift happened and then i noticed that it kind of continued within my coverage of housewives when the will smith slap happened mhm it seems like my coverage of that led black people to really turn their back on me i got What? so much backlash from black especially on tiktok wait because tell me the whole story what happened so will smith slap chris rock that was wild what happened after that did you Will post Smith slap chris well i did a couple videos about the situation because at the time i was really heavy on my youtube channel covering all of you know the 
the social awareness issues that were happening yeah. within pop culture specifically, right, right? Right. So like this just happened to happen when when like I was in peak front lines, hold the banner yeah. mode. We have to be the change that we that 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 we yeah. want to see type mode, right? Mm-hmm. And so I start and so my videos were holding everybody involved accountable. I did a video holding Will Smith accountable. I did a video holding Chris Rock accountable. Mm-hmm. And then I did a video holding Jada Pinkett Smith accountable. Yeah, she right? looked at him like, she almost gave him permission or like, you should do something, right? Is that Well, when he doing? sat down, she laughed. Like yeah. when he sat down, like she laughed about it. And it was like, how are you laughing at a man who just got up on national television yeah. and struck somebody? Like, how is this funny? Oh, how is this funny? And it and like that just triggered, like that just mm-hmm. sent me into a whole nother thing because her laughing at that mm-hmm. really triggered my issues with cis black women and how they encourage the transphobia from <laughs> black men. Mm. And it really pissed me off. Like, yeah. it's crazy how certain things you see in your society just trigger things that, that may or may not have nothing to, to do with it. But if you look at it from a different pers- perspective, yeah. how it just parallels, things yeah, like it, that. Mm-hmm. It just really I didn't me think off. about that. That, I, that totally makes sense. Like, to me, it was just like, why would you think that that's okay? Just because you're the just because you're seemingly a victim not to say that what Chris Rock did was okay but but at the end of the day two wrongs don't make a right right exactly and also like well one thing I was like maybe she maybe it was a nervous laughter that's what I was telling myself like because I don't know what I would do if my husband just went up and slapped someone I'd be like horrified obviously but in the moment knowing that there's all these cameras this is like a huge huge platform and this just happened I'd be like I don't know. I might have a nervous laughter. However, looking back at the footage and after he said something, Will did laugh and she wasn't laughing. And she looked right. at him with those eyes like, you better do something right now. Like That's, that to me was exactly. almost giving him permission or like setting an expectation, especially with their Rocky marriage. Like, I feel like Will, I mean... I don't know. There's a lot of wrong. Everything about everything about that was, was questionable. Everybody in that situation was wrong. I feel like the person who was the least wrong about it was Chris Rock. But I say all of that to to say black people cuss me the fuck out all across TikTok because I held all of them accountable. But like people took this really simple minded uh, uh, approach to it. Like, what do you expect a man to do? He was talking about his wife. Da 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 da. So I, so I did a video holding the black community responsible and I was like, does the black community really not have the capacity or the bandwidth to think of a better way to handle a situation like this publicly than violence? Right, right. Yet so is this maybe... the same community that doesn't want us racially profiled because of black on black crime? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not have a deep conversation about this. Yeah. So, the, so you made a good point though. What that person said was you know, he was just standing up for his wife or whatever. So that person, something in them triggered them where in their past or their history, they experienced something where that's important to them to stick up for their wife, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why they are offended. See, like we're all coming from a place of like trauma or our own experiences that sometimes clash. And that's why people get into these arguments And that's part of like why I started my account knowing that 
this community is super toxic. We we know that, right? right. 100%. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I do not want... Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? I... 1,000. Well, I've been cursing this whole time. Okay, so I don't even Go know for it. So... <laughs> safe I'm... space, babe. Safe space. <laughs> Shoot, now, I, now I'm having a stoner moment. I don't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> We were talking about how the community basically... Oh, yes, you know, it's so toxic, yes. It's right. super toxic, and I wanted to, like, kind of lead by example by posting things that were mostly lighthearted or, like, just trying to bring, like, make people feel like they can relate on something, at you know, from their own perspective in a way that's, like, we know it's... I don't know. Can we edit this part out? Now I'm like right pulling. <laughs> no, we 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 can totally move on. And if you think of it, let me know. We'll come back. Yeah, soon. I'm just thinking like I I want I wanted to start my start my account and lead by example by not like getting. Thing. I don't know. I feel like we have a responsibility as well to not fuel the fire, so to speak. Like when people right. are, when they're, because there is such a thing as, um, what do they call that? When crowd, mob mentality, right? Yeah, so there is mob such mentality and group thing. Yes. They like, if they see one person go off, they feel like they have permission to go off. And you mentioned earlier, like getting death threats or like saying, go kill yourself. Like that is not okay. No matter what, no matter who you are, who you're talking to, like none of that, that's never acceptable. And like our culture has, it's almost like normalized that exactly there goes you know some person behind their computer going off again it's like no that's not okay and i don't want to live in a world where that's normalized i want people to feel like just because i'm behind a computer that doesn't mean i can say whatever i want like we need to take responsibility for our, our words that we say because we're all we're all struggling and fighting every day so we don't need to like make it worse for each other See, now that makes me have to ask you this. How connected do you feel the behavior of the women on the show is to the behavior of the fans? Now, I know that no one controls anyone, but that's also not how fandoms work. And that's also not not, not how stand culture works. Perfect example of that, how the whole thing between Garcelle and... Um, Diana sparked this whole box thing happening with mm. Jax and then subsequently Nicki Minaj getting on her radio show and, oh my God, and basically yeah. justifying Ugh. her son being threatened with with racism and death threats because yeah. she did an in because she did an in interview on her talk show. Like No, that's not okay. Please, Nikki please, is please. so wrong for that. Nikki is so so wrong for that. No one ever deserves that. And even like when that Jenny Wen thing happened with Salt Lake City, like obviously Jenny is not a great person and I don't like right. her and I don't want to support her or see her on my TV. However, Bravo employed her and they knowingly exactly. knew this shit and they still allowed 
this woman and her children to be in a situation where now I'm sure she got death threats. I'm sure her, she felt like she was not safe. And I'm not saying like, oh, Jenny should like live a great life and like, everything's fine. No, not at all. But there are a lot of Jenny Lens out there and we can't change that, but we can change our behavior and not make it normalized to attack people and like, you know, metaphorically stone them publicly. Like that's, those kids, her kids are gonna have to like, this is gonna follow them around for the rest of their lives. And we don't know if they have that darkness in their soul, you know? Like they could be good right. people and we shouldn't like, I would feel like I'm sure people are attacking or it didn't happen with Kyle Richards too. Didn't her daughter get attacked? Portia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that is not okay. People are just like, it's, they're taking it too far. And yes, we have our own, like we have ourselves to blame, but like at the same time, I'm like, but we're also like just masses and viewers. Like we're not organized. Bravo is the one who's organized. Bravo is the one who's creating this content. Bravo is setting the rules. Like they need to just say either, you know what? We're going to go back to the blogging style and no, no Bravo Lev is allowed to use social media anymore. Like they need to. I would love that. Actually. Yeah, I think I would too. Or like all social media posts must be approved by Bravo or something, you know, like mm -hmm. they, I do feel like Bravo is responsible for a lot of this and it's, and they tried to turn it around on us and say, oh, the fans are out of control or whatever. Let me, let me just recommend um, a Netflix documentary called Untold. It's part of the Untold series and it's called mm -hmm. Malice at the Palace. And that is a perfect example of how this bigger organization, the NBA, did mm -hmm. not take accountability or even acknowledge the responsibility they had for all the people, the their players, their NBA players for both teams, the home team and the away team. And then also the the fans there were fans that got hurt the you know the basketball players wow. got hurt and then not just physically hurt but then those some of those guys their whole careers were ruined because of wow. this stupid thing that happened i don't know if you watched it already but it i have was not but i'm so good. upsetting it was so upsetting and that entire netflix untold series if you watch it you'll see an underlying theme of how media and these big corporations have been abusing their power. And we've seen that with the Me Too movement, Hollywood. Prime example, they were the only ones who were funneling information. If any of those people were mistreated in Hollywood, they didn't have anyone to go to run to and tell their story or go on their IG live and say, I just got raped by a Hollywood director, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so things are changing now and you can no longer be a bad person or have poor morals and get away with it. And I think that Bravo is still in this mindset, not just Bravo, but all like a lot of major networks and big organizations that have been around for a long Very time. True. They've been able to hide things in the past, but we're in a digital era. There's no hiding anymore. One million percent. What do you think we as content creators need to be contributing to the reality TV space to help assist in the maturity of the fandom experience? Do we... Okay, so one, I think we should...
try to get away from adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, meaning I see some account, I don't know, like we want to know the tea, but also we don't want to cause compromise our morals in the process. Yeah, we don't want to compromise our morals. And also we don't want to like make it seem like it's acceptable. Right. Maybe that's the part that's missing is that as content creators, we're like trying to report, but also there's a fine line. Like we're not just reporters and some of us aren't even reporters. We're actually just our own personalities and giving our takes and like me who who the hell are we like we're not (laughs) nobody has like put me through a curriculum to be like okay yes you can you're allowed to have a podcast (laughs) like right like there's no like filtering so anyone can say anything and i think that's the scary part is that you can have people who don't have morals who don't have values who like they thrive off of this drama and they I see them. They are contributing to the drama. And they're like this Patrick. Like Kelly and Rick Leventhal. Them, Hmm? Patrick Summers. Like there's a lot of people who are just inserting themselves and making it more toxic. And I guess you can't, Bravo can't do anything about that. But maybe us as a society needs to uphold some better standards and what our morals and values are. Absolutely. Um, if you could, and, and, and you know, this is where, once again, I continue that whole narrative of being housewives, human resources, because I agree with you. It's not just about the women. It's about the people who are hiring these women. I want to talk. I want to talk to the producers. I yeah. want to talk to the production company. Yep. I want to talk to the executives. I want to yep. talk to the editors. I want to talk to the, to the uh, casting agent. Yep. Like there are so many people that I need 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 to talk to outside of just the housewives. So I'm not a casting agent. I'm more of a human resources person because me, I go above housewives. Yes, yes. I want to talk to everybody. Yeah, that's what they need too. They need so anytime there's a big change in an organization, it has to, it always, always has to start at the top. That's just there's no way around that. You can't have like an uprising from the fans and be like, we're not going to take this anymore. Like they're going to be like, whatever. They're still going to do what they want to do. But if the network says, Hey, you know what? We do have a social responsibility here. And yes, we are a business, but how do we pivot? How do we get creative? And and change so that we can evolve with the landscape of technology and social media and make it an enjoyable experience for everyone so that and so that there's no negative side effects where we're promoting you know things that are unsavory that's my name by the way unsavory instead of dark it sounds so classy it it sounds something like Dominique Devereaux would say how unsavory of you (laughs) Crystal. Unsavory of you. That is that like how, like how she would describe Crystal Carrington's behavior. How unsavory, darling. <laughs> darling. Classy. Just classy <laughs> and bitchy. I love it. Classy and bitchy. Maybe See, that's a, a new podcast. <laughs> that can be our duo podcast. <laughs> Covering housewives together. Classy and bitchy. You'll be classy, I'll be bitchy. We could be both. We could be both. We, we'll be the new sh- 
we'll be the new Reasonably Shady. Ooh, but we're way better already. Correct. <laughs> because we have morals and standards and we actually have storylines. Now, <laughs> speaking of storylines, if you could work on a franchise of Housewives, would you want to produce, edit, or cast the show? Oh, 100% not edit. I hate editing. <laughs> 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 um... Wait, so what does a producer do versus the casting agent? Casting agent obviously goes and finds the people and then they have to vet them, I'm sure. But then what is what about the producer? Well, the producers are the people who are like behind the cameras when they're in scene. They're the ones that are conducting the interviews during during oh, okay, the professionals. Yeah. They have a more they have a closer relationship with the housewives. Like there are there are producers that are assigned to each housewife each season to to produce their story during the season. Really? So like they're more involved with the show. Yeah, like That's there so are crazy. Like how like, many so there's a lot of, there's one producer per cast member? Well, now I don't know if it's one per cast member or if there's a couple that work with different two or three. Gotcha. Now. Okay. But I but I've heard different takes of like in the beginning people were assigned producers to develop their story so like when you um were like having your your like camera time and this and the third your producer would be there and like that would be the person who would do your interviews and like all of that stuff but i don't know if it's like one per person or if they have like two or three that go throughout the women yeah okay so i would want to be like the executive producer who all the producers report to Gotcha. I would want to edit. Oh my gosh. I would want to edit. You're so... Ah, I'm the weirdo. (laughs) I love you for that. I love you for that because I just don't... I can't do it. I'm like... I'm so impatient. (laughs) I... It's the only thing that I have any patience for is my dogs, my kid, and editing. Like, it's so relaxing for me. And that probably sounds insane to anybody who knows what it takes to edit a video. (laughs) I know. Well, see, I can get into it if I know I have a long time, but I guess I don't have much time to edit. So like, I I feel like I'm rushed and I don't, it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I try to turn my stuff around quick, but now I've gone from now it's so much easier to drop an episode of the podcast five days a week and then just do a recap on Sunday than it would be to shoot and edit and post a YouTube video in that amount of time or or or, or um with or at that rate. So I was like, let me just change up the format and keep both 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 mediums going, but change how yeah. I deliver the content because I was like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, it's oh. a lot. I've been like struggling with that lately because I'm like, damn, there's different audiences for different platforms and like podcast listeners, they're usually driving or like doing some kind of cleaning or whatever while they're listening. But then YouTube video or YouTube watchers are way different. They're like actually watching and it's a different experience. See, that's why I think I figured out the perfect niche for me because I've structured my podcast kind of like a talk show where I drop new episodes Monday through Friday, one to two episodes, depending on if I have an interview and, you know, what shows are airing at the time and, you know, stuff like that. But 
I'll drop shows Monday through Friday, and then I'll do a YouTube recap show of that week's podcast on my YouTube channel where I'll talk about, you know, my um, favorite episodes and all of that stuff. And then I'll give a preview of uh, of what's coming up on next week's show, right? That's kind of helped me balance because I had the YouTube audience before I started this podcast. And so for me, it was a great way for me to cross promote both both platforms because I'm doing a YouTube video to engage my YouTube audience, but I'm promoting my podcast and engaging them to go and listen to that. And then I'm promoting the YouTube video on my podcast because the YouTube video is about my podcast. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of helped me balance that out. Yeah. It's a lot of cross promotion. I truly get it. That helped me balance it out. If you could join or create a franchise, which would you do and why? I wouldn't do a Housewives unless the the only Housewives I would ever do is like super, super rich Asians in like all different Asian countries like Korea, Japan, China, Mm -hmm. um, Hong Kong. I want uh philippines i want all of them Taiwan. so you would pull a phaedra and just relocate i oh do i have to be on it <laughs> you don't have to but if you're going as a producer we can... yeah oh i would go to korea 100 totally yeah i would go to korea first because that's like i need to go back for myself being half right. korean there's like some biracial trauma that I have that I'm just starting to like start to peel away that I didn't even know was like living with me for 40 years. But anyways, I want to go back with my mom. I want to have a whole camera crew um, and do that someday. But that's not like really for Bravo. Um, But if I were to do a non-Housewives Bravo show, I would want it to be 420 friendly, um, it doesn't have to be wives or even female. Well, I prefer to be, I just prefer not to be straight men. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> so a diverse group, obviously. Um, and I'm, t- I don't know. The U.S. is so boring to me lately. I think I'm spoiled by Dubai. See, for me, I agree with you about taking, if you wanted to create a franchise of, uh, of, housewives taking it internationally and I would want to do mine for the exact reason that you want to do yours because I would take the 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 franchise to Panama right because I'm half Panamanian and no and nobody is ever able to really recognize that yeah so and for me I want to like I have a lot of culture trauma surrounding Panamanian heritage as well because I kind of feel ashamed to kind of rep being Panamanian because my mother who is full-blooded Panamanian the woman that raised me didn't raise me with any type of Panamanian culture she just raised me as a black kid so I wasn't raised with any with no connection to my Panamanian heritage I just grew up knowing I was half Panamanian really? you didn't even know? Like, I knew that I was half Panamanian, but I didn't, like, grow up, like, speaking Spanish or, like, having yeah. any relative, like, connection to the heritage. Like, like I like, like I, I was raised by a Panamanian woman, but I wasn't raised as a Panamanian child. 
Can I tell you something? Okay, so I love my father and I don't want to talk bad about him at all, but no. this is just ignorance, okay? My father is white and um, he's, he, I guess when we were young, I asked my mom, why didn't you teach us Korean? Like, I wish I could speak fluent Korean. I've, I can read and write because I went to Korean language school on the weekends and my mom you know, forced us to go to, but we didn't speak Korean in the home. And she said that my father, said he didn't want us to know Korean because he didn't want us to have an accent. Wow. So I don't know if that's completely true. This is something my mom said. And my mom also, like, if I were to say it to her right now, she'd be like, what? No. <laughs> so so I don't know. But like that stuck with me for a long time. This is years ago when I asked her this. And I mean, I, I'm talking like 20 years ago, maybe. So that just stood out to me because that's ignorance that's not i don't think my dad hates koreans <laughs> he Maybe it was just a sign of the times where he knew asian people were treated differently yeah at the time and maybe it was just you know something that he couldn't you know, maybe he, maybe he said something that was extremely problematic in the intentions of protecting you. Yeah, and that's where like I'm not going to, you know, be mad at him for that. But that just goes to show like our there is generational trauma that does have a downstream impact, and so you know that's like the trauma that I need to break with my children. So I'm trying to do my best, but these are just like little things that I see here and there or like remember from my past. And it's like, wow, this is still affecting us. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of still affecting us, have you read Stassi's book since the last time we talked? I did not read it, but I did um, listen to, I signed up for her Patreon because I had a friend who was like, I she had one and she's like oh i love her or whatever and then you and i talked and i was like you know what i do i'm curious now i want to see what stassi did after she got you know quote unquote canceled from bravo and the right. first episode of her podcast on patreon her and Bo said that every dollar for every um subscription i think it's like eight 99 a month or something so one dollar from each of the subscriptions goes to an organization that um i think it helps um they write books for children to like break you know discrimination and and things like that so i actually felt like right off the bat i was like okay i feel like this is something <laughs> that's then, something so, but then, yeah, so I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really listen to any of her other episodes after that. For some reason, like, I felt like that was enough for me, not because of the money part, but just having the awareness enough to know that she had to do something like, cause I feel like if let's say Jax got canceled, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> something tells me he wouldn't have done something like that. And if he did, Ever. it, it would have been like we would have known how ingenuine it, or non-genuine ungenuine non-genuine In, disingenuous, disingenuous. <laughs> yeah fuck <so>. english <laughs> but yeah so and then also she 
wrote her other book off of her head and it sounds right. like she's addressing her experience from being canceled and so yeah. i don't know there is a rumor that bo might be cheating and i hope that's not true um but after they don't procreate it lord i know right it's just like i don't know so listen speaking of bo cheating and them having children and them having babies and things so i know you have children right uh-huh, uh-huh. would you ever bring them on a reality show if you ever chose to to do one considering what happened with jack <laughs> considering what happened with Jax. Um, just throwing it out there um oh that garcelle's jacks i think even jacks from vanderpump rules <laughs> yeah <laughs> see i used his name as as the segue to the next I question got you. i got you um that's a good question you know what i think that if i was the executive producer i would do a show with my family on it um yeah. and make sure that you know there's nothing that's taken out of context or edited inappropriately i would want it to be a true reflection and mm-hmm. it's a, and like i said i'm okay with like showing my um mistakes and my flaws because i believe we all have flaws and none of us are perfect um right. but like i said when that does happen there needs to be like some kind of growth and um i would be open to sharing that kind of stuff with my children however i don't know if i would allow them to i probably would make them have a private social media account or something i can dig that would you let your well let would you support your children working for lisa vanderpump <laughs> um i'm going to support my children no matter what they do and hopefully that I'm guiding them to the you know in the right path so that they're doing something that they are passionate about that is benefiting themselves but also others around them mm-hmm. as long as it's with good intent I'll support my kids with whatever they want to do okay so your 19 year old comes to you and says hey ma <laughs> hey ma guess what so I've been working at Sir for six months and Ugh. they want me to test for Vanderpump rules. What do you think? What's your reaction? Wait, my stepdaughter or my oldest daughter? Whichever one. Well, my stepdaughter, I feel like I have, like there's less I can even say. I, I would just be like, good luck. And I hope that, <laughs> I don't know. But with my own kid, I'd be like, listen, Hell no. <laughs> like I said, I mean, if she really wanted to and it was for a good reason, then I would support her. But I'd she also... She comes and asks you your thoughts and she's like, what do you think, mom? I They want me to test for the show. I have the contract. You're good with money. What do I do? Um, I would tell her to go for it if she wants to. I don't know. Is that bad? <laughs> No, not at all. If she wants not to, I would all. just, I mean, like, I'm also not the kind of parent who's like naive in the fact that my kid has to make their own mistakes. So she, if she says she's going for good intent, 
which she could say that and not really have good intent and be like, I just want to party. Like, then, okay, that's on you. Like, you're going to have your own natural consequences with your behavior. And I'll, this is what I'm going to warn you about, like, from my experience that you're going to, people, you're exposing yourself to all sorts of criticism by going on that show. And you don't have control over what the narrative is for your role on the show. That's a risk you're, if you want to take it, then, you know, that's up to you. Right. Like, like I, I would just try do, to like, educate her as much as possible. That would be my approach. Like if my daughter came to me and was like, hey, so <laughs> they want me to test for Vanderpump rules. First of all, I would be like, so no. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with Lisa Vanderpump. It has nothing to do with Vanderpump rules or her being on reality TV per se. Mm-hmm. I would just say, what do you think about working at, you know, Blaze or Old Lady Gang? How do you feel about being in the gang? I would definitely say absolutely go go work at OLG. I would tell my my kid, how about you put the application in down to the Old Lady Gang? I would support you going down to the Old Lady Gang. Vanderpump Rules, I'm not gonna make my now listen, people make 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 may call me an asshole or what have you, but I'm not gonna let my my child be another Faith Stowers. Period. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. You wanna protect Send her ass down to the OLG. Now if you wanna go and act a damn fool, because listen, people say they wanna go and do do things for a good intent and go and show show they ass going to college all the time. So, I, I mean, hey, so if you want to go and earn money showing your ass, <laughs> listen, I would you've grown like, at this point. I, I've raised you to have the best morals that I can. Yeah. So, yeah, but at yeah. least go somewhere where, 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 where I feel you would be better protected. I feel like yeah. she would be better protected on Candy and the gang than yeah. she would be down to the Vanderpump rule. I'm just saying. You know what? To be honest, I would feel safer with my kid going to OLG too. So would I. To be perfectly honest, so would yeah. I. But then if she insisted on going to VPR, I would tell her she absolutely has to do a song better than Good as Gold. Absolutely. <laughs> One million percent. And you have to bring back the Witches of WeHo wine. Yes. <laughs> and just redo it. Take over. Take over. Oh Take my over. gosh, imagine, oh my God, imagine someday someone comes on the show and they're like, I'm just going to do Stasi the way that she should have done it. Let's <laughs> I'll just, show you how it's done. <laughs> let's, let's just fanfic Stasi, but in real life. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I Why not? It. I love it. Fan fiction is like actually something that I do want to pursue at some point because it's really fun. I grew up on fanfic, but that's probably something that is an inappropriate statement to say. <laughs> but I absolutely understand why you would want to go into fan fiction. I it's love so fan fiction. Fun. It's like a fun thing to do. I don't know. Just to think Listen, scenarios of like Jax and Britney together. <laughs> oh, I don't have any fantasies of that. But the Schwartz and Sandy's fanfic that I have read, baby. Oh my, wait, I wasn't thinking oh, erotic. Wait, is all fan fiction oh, erotic? Not all of it. Well, it doesn't okay. have to be. Well, I guess you 
nowadays you can make your fanfic like your only fans it doesn't have to be you out here you know twerking naked on a pole stick <laughs> you can just i'm just thinking fan fiction is like literally just come up with scenario like as if you had a sim game and like but the characters right. are like the people from vpr and you're like i'm gonna make jacks yell at you know dj kennedy or something <laughs> we would be in two different departments of the same company <laughs> we would both be doing fan fiction but we would be doing fan fiction for two completely different audiences let's, oh, yeah, let's, so let's just say that but all <laughs> fanfic is valid guys all fanfic is valid <laughs> love you now let's say that that same 19 year old turns 21 and she's been on Vanderpump Rules for two years she's turning in she's whooped Lala Ken's ass <laughs> She. Her song that she didn't let Sheena be on is now double platinum. Ah, that's hilarious. And then a forty-year-old Scott Disick comes along. Ew! No. What's your reaction, Ma? Hey, Ma. It was no. (laughs) Hell no. I would. Oh my God! Actually, Scott is a. Is he younger than me? He's like in his late 30s I think but, late 30s yeah I'd probably like just I don't know I don't condone violence but I want to say beat his ass like I'd be Work. like why are you Work. here like get out go away he, so, I, that is weird that he's like ugh, he has a thing with the child wicked I actually have a whole thing on that because I actually did a um I, there's an episode of my podcast on the on the Kardashians where I dive into Scott's whole narrative with, with with this family and I'm like child it is it's a mess but can I run a conspiracy theory by you because yeah. I have something like I've witnessed some things going on in the in the Bravo universe you, you know within the HCU if you will by the way, and, it sounds like you're on the set of Real Housewives of Atlanta, the reunion with birds dripping in the background. Listen, I, I was trying to set an aesthetic and, you know, really trying to set the mood. So I when you it. said you wanted to do this call in the morning, I was like, perfect. Perfect. Aesthetic. <laughs> now, I have a conspiracy theory. Okay. I think that Garcelle is playing the long game. And she's planning a full-out Bravo takeover <gasps> by strategically plotting to take over Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Sutton as her on-camera ally and Lisa Vanderpump as her wild card. Ooh. And let me give you the reasons why I feel that way. I already believe you. <laughs> Just... But go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know I try. You, you know I always try to come with it. Right. Yes. Just look at the way she's infiltrated Vanderpump rules by putting Oliver in place in 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 um by getting him a job at the Vegas restaurant. Mm-hmm. But now she's been seen filming for Vanderpump rules yeah. with not only Lisa Vanderpump was but mm-hmm. Oliver was sitting at the same table. Mm-hmm. Oliver has just hooked up with Raquel. His wife is coming out on social media and dragging his ass. Oh my God, you think she's pulling a Kris Jenner? Because it it is kind of messy. 
it's just a conspiracy theory. And to top the cake, Garcelle just allegedly replaced Lisa Renna in a holiday movie. I did hear that. Give me your thoughts, Ma. Give okay. me your thoughts, Jenny. I didn't think of this conspiracy theory, but I subscribe and I kind of love it. However, I don't like Garcelle using her son in this adulterous way to to promote that or not promote it, but like to uh, enhance that um, path if that's the way she's going because the, what's his name? I think it went left, Oliver. I think it went left. Maybe I she's rogue. She's got, right. Like, I yeah. think that Oliver went rogue. I think yeah. that she got him a job there as a part of her plan to get close to Lisa to get her yeah. back on the show on her team. Mm-hmm. And then Oliver got down to the got down to the Vanderpump Paris and, took, and started showing his ass. Yeah, he had too much fun. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, he has a storyline. I'm already in the midst of my plot to get her back on the show. Now I gotta circumvent all of this and make all this work, right? So it's like, maybe she's like, well, damn it, this wasn't what I was planning. But you showed up to work and you showed out, Oliver. So we gonna use what we got to get what we want. Shout out to the Players Club. (laughs) I'm just saying, I really feel like it's all like, I feel like she put him in position and he just went rogue. Yeah, I think that could be the case. And I can't hate the player. I can just hate the game, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess, because I feel like had cameras not been on, he would have slept with Erica. Real talk. I genuinely feel that way. Oh my God. I genuinely feel like had the cameras not, just go back and watch that scene and watch his reaction. He was too to excited, right? I did feel He was too chill. Like he was giving real player vibes. He was giving, like, if cameras were not on me right now, yes. I would have took you home like like that black dude in season one took home Heather Gay. Ah, I forgot about that. He would have scooped her ass up and, and, and slid her right on out the door, baby. I'm telling you, I know how men like him work. Yes, I know what you're talking about, too. I I think you're right. I think you're right. Because he was still married, because he knew that his wife would have watched this episode and all of his friends because of who his mama is, he played it cool. But I feel like... Why is he on camera with Raquel, then? Because I I guess that, that... that situation kind of didn't work because of how it went down with Erica. She showed her ass, told his 14-year-old brother to fuck off. So that probably turned him off and was like, girl, you got too much going on. I just want a little coochie. But you got a little bit too much going on. This is a little this is a little bit much. And then on yeah. top of that, you know men are stupid, right? Yes. You do understand that. Men are stupid. Yes. So the closer the proximity that the woman is to cheat on their wife with, that's going to be the first one they reach for. You know about low-hanging fruit. Oh, boy. You know about low-hanging fruit. You grown. (laughs) You know how men work. I know, and I hate that. Like, it's so sad because my by nature, I want to be, like, optimistic and think that everyone comes from a good place, but... If you notice, let's just go ahead and put our nails nailing that coffin right now. Jax didn't cheat on any one of his girlfriends with anybody who didn't work outside of a Lisa Vanderpump restaurant. 
pay attention to that. Anybody who Jax cheated with was also his co-worker. Not just on the show, but in the restaurant. Wait, you mean Oliver, right? No, I'm talking about Jax. Oh, Jax, like, Jax. Vanderpump rules Jax. Okay, wait. Yeah, here's an example of how stupid men are. <laughs> oh, yeah, he slept with, like, everybody. Everybody who he cheated on any of his girlfriends with, they had to clock in and see his girlfriends the next day. I know, that's sick. And same with James Kennedy, I think. Same with James Kennedy, and Oliver is following in that same trope. Now that his wife is going to come by, bring the baby by to see his daddy at work, and now all his other side chicks is going to be staring crazy on the camera, child producers is going to be running around like doggone Spongebob when he couldn't remember his name. Like, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. But do you want to play a quick game of this or that? I would love to. I have like five minutes left. Sweet. We can end on this. And then if you have time some other day, we we can, we can call, call back and do do part two. But yeah, but this is a great way to close. Sure. Sweet. Okay. Now, this is just two different housewives plus a bonus question at the end. And then we'll just see where, where your mind's at, okay? Drew or Sanya? Ooh. You know what? Drew. Ah. Nobody, like, Sanya's the bottom of my list. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to have to discuss that further in part two. Okay. We're going to have to actually schedule a part two. Yeah. Now, for real. Talk about Sanya. I was right. Like, I was all about her. I'm like, four-time Olympian? Hell fucking yeah. And then she disappointed me. Listen, I, I think she just got first season jitters, but we can Maybe. talk about this in part two. Yeah. Kenya right. or Marlo? Kenya. Is that Kyle wrong? or LVP? No. <gasps> there are no wrong answers here. You're in a safe space. There are no wrong answers here. LVP. Monique or Candace? Ooh. These are supposed to make you think, man. Um. Or not, just depending I, on how stern you are your opinions. Of- I can I pass on this? I'm scared to answer. But if I, you okay, want to play the fan, <laughs> I kind of do because I am I have PTSD from the Monique and Candace situation. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. You will play the fifth on that one. Yeah. Jill or Bethany? Ah, uh, Bethany. <laughs> Gretchen or Alexis? Ooh, that one's hard. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Jesus Jugs because her, her tagline used to make me laugh so hard, like regularly, consistently for probably at least a year. And even people at my work, I like they started saying her tagline. It was um, people think I'm high maintenance, and I just say, "Look at me" or something. <laughs> right? It was like, wait, what? I could not. I just like would you wrote die laughing too. every time I heard it. <laughs> she wrote that one herself. She, <laughs> she was proud of that one. Now it's about to get hard, okay? Okay. Phaedra or Candy? Um, you know what? I'm going to say Phaedra for right, right now. Like, you have to remember, like, I didn't watch early 
Atlanta. I only started recently because the first season I got triggered and it was so long ago, I don't even remember why. Fair. Fair. Vicky or Tamara? I have some personal issues with one of them. Um, So I'm gonna say... This is hard. I'm gonna say Vicky because she's like the OG. I don't know why okay. I'm picking, but <laughs> we'll elaborate on that in part two. We'll elaborate on that in part two. Oh, okay. trust me, we gonna get into that in part two. <sighs> Kelly or Heather? Heather Dubrow. Mm-hmm. Or or Kelly Dodd. Ugh, Heather Dubrow for sure. Gina or Emily? Ugh, those two are so boring. <laughs> I'll pick Emily because she kept, because she was wild last season. She had some I good moments. She was out there, yeah. <laughs> Sutton or yeah. Diana? Ooh, I'll pick Sutton. Okay. Even though I were think you about she, to say something about um, Gina or or I was gonna say Emily was so funny when she yelled at Nicole Weiss. Are you Nicole? Yes. She's like you. She's just a short, smaller version of me. But of me, she's a. <laughs> She's just a bigger version of me. She's just a not as hot version of me. But I look way better. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're projecting, Emily. Oh my God, it was so funny. Oh, you're so funny. Yeah. And so Diana versus Sutton, obviously I'm not going to pick Diana, but, and I'm Fair. picking Sutton reluctantly because I still, I think Sutton is kind of batshit crazy. But like- I do too, to be honest. Right? Like, I don't understand. I've I've been so confused why everyone's like I love Sutton I love Sutton I I don't get it. I love Sutton, but it's partially because she's batshit crazy. Yeah, I like that part about her. <laughs> that's like, it's like why do you love Sutton? because she's batshit crazy? First. Yeah, yeah, that's why I like <laughs> Jen Shaw in the beginning because she's fucking nuts. <laughs> fucking nuts. Speaking of fucking nuts, Brandy or Denise? Brandy. Camille or Renna? Well, I I don't think Camille has blocked me, so I'll say Camille. I've never Ooh. talked about Rena in my life, by the way. I'm listen, upset I've talked it. about. <laughs> listen, all the people who have blocked me, I deserved it. So I never fair, talked fair about game. her. Same with Craig Conover. He blocked me. I've never talked to him. I've never like. I only started he posting about him after he blocked me because I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> He probably just knew how, how, how you felt it got ahead of the game. <laughs> Teddy Mellencamp or 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 Crystal Kung Mingoff? Crystal. Me too, to be honest, because Teddy's on my shit list hard right now. I just Teddy is like so bland to me. I don't. I don't. Well, care. listen. I did a whole episode of my podcast about housewives that the fan base loves that I or or the uh, fan base hates that I love, and Teddy was one of them. But <laughs> Garcelle or Erica? Garcelle, ew, Erica. Ugh. I'm just seeing where your head's at. Because some people, because some people are because li- some people are living <laughs> on the wild side nowadays. Really? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Bonus question. Mm-hmm. Now, this one goes three ways. You ready? Mm-hmm. 818, Vita Tequila, 
Casa de Sol. Vita Tequila, hands down. Lisa Barlow is my Wire, number. <laughs> Lisa Barlow is my number one housewife, and I even have a bottle of Vita sitting on my shelves. And I don't even drink alcohol. I, I live. <laughs> I live. Listen, we can cut this call here because I, I, I know you are a busy woman. But can I get you back for for a part two? sometime soon yeah absolutely you know i love you i love you more babe thank you so much <laughs> now before i let, let you get back to conquering the world let the let me know the people know let all the people who i'm going to expose this three-way call to where they can find you follow you send you love money subscribers yeah, five-star rating <laughs> all the things of the thing well, Give you your flowers and whatnot. I'm working on building up my YouTube channel. So you can find me at Jenny Blaze on YouTube. And then I have Bravo and Blaze on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. I don't know all the things. I also have merch on bravoandblaze.com where I also have my blog where I post all of my new episodes for my podcast, which you can find on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, I think that's all of them. <laughs> all, all the places of the places. Yes, and I'm always happy to interact and engage, so hit me up. Sweet. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, I appreciate you. you. I can't wait to schedule again so we can ha have some more girl chat. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thank, thank you. you so much for giving me your time, babe. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was part one officially of my conversation with Jenny Blaze from Bravo and Blaze. How do you guys feel about the phone call vibe, semi-natural conversation, less than formal interview kind of aesthetic I'm trying to go for? I think I want my interviews to feel more like you guys are tapping into a three-way phone conversation and you're just listening in on me talking on the phone with whoever I'm technically doing the interview with, but I'm just chatting with my homegirl and my homie with. Do you know what I'm saying? Let me know what you think. I'm trying to do things a little differently within the Housewives cinematic universe, reality TV space, podcast space, all of those things. I'm trying to cover the same things that everybody's talking about, but do it in a way that's different from everybody else, but not too far left that people can't get into it and relate, you know? But tell me you guys enjoyed that that conversation with Jenny as much as I did. It was so much fun. It's so good to connect with her again. You know, the the first time that we got to chat was on her podcast. Go back and listen to Bravo and Blaze. A great place to start is my episode. Um, the Jordan Renee episode. Um, and just tune in. Make sure you make sure you tune into her go subscribe to her youtube channel go follow her on social media all the things of the things make sure you follow my um shows uh ig page 
Real Reality Realness. If you want to follow me on social media, follow me at Cherie Laveau. Make sure you stay tuned for all the things that we have going on in the next episodes. And let me know what you think about this conversation and recommend me anybody else who you'd like for me to talk to. All right, you guys. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. I'll see you later. Thank you guys so much for being here. This has been The Real Reality Realness. I am Cherie Laveau. And I'll talk to you guys later.